US-China trade tensions, Valley's uh, dam disaster and now COVID-19 have uh, resulted in uh, zero demand growth in uh, dry bulk over the past uh, three years. Is it time to prepare for more uh, favorable fundamentals in uh, dry bulk uh, going forward? And uh, how is uh, Golden Ocean, one of the industry leaders, positioning themselves for uh, the future? In this update, we'll uh, discuss the outlook for Golden Ocean and the dry bulk market in general. Welcome to uh, Utbytte, the DMB podcast where we explain the financial markets and the global economy. My name is Marius Brunhaugen from DNB Markets, and uh, today I'm joined by Ulrik Andersen, the CEO of uh, Golden Ocean. Welcome, Ulrik. How are you? Thank you very much. I'm good. Happy to be on the show. I can imagine it has been a busy morning. You came out with uh, numbers for the second quarter today. Uh, how would you summarize uh, Q2? Yeah, you're right. It's been a pretty busy morning. Uh, that's how it is in these days, but, uh, but, but I think a good one. Uh, obviously, we deliver uh, a net loss of, uh, of 41 million, which is never satisfying. But I think given the circumstances, it has been a disastrous quarter for, for everyone in, in dry bulk and maybe across, the, across many industries. I think we, we, are, we are happy with what we have delivered. Um, you have to keep in mind that we had quite a few capex remaining under our scrub installation program which you also had to uh, to get through in in the second quarter that's now behind us so we are we are looking forward and we are we are positive that's good so if you see uh, year to date you have not been uh, profitable but uh, do you hope to be profitable for 2020 as a whole or uh, is it a little too optimistic owing to the circumstances or or is it the outlook simply too vague to to guide on this well i think we need to remember one thing, and that is that our first half results included a lot of non-cash losses, uh, actually almost 122 million. So I'd say that if you adjust for the these underlying loss uh, or for this, uh, these uh, non-cash uh, items, then we are looking at an underlying loss of approximately 80 million for the first half. Um, that's a lot, but how the market is shaping up now uh, and how what we are seeing, we, you know, we are optimistic that we can actually earn that loss back in the second half. Uh, overall profit, including uh, the, uh, the the non-cash items, I think that might be a little bit too optimistic. So uh, profitability may be a 2021 story, but uh, what about the dividends? Are they any closer on the horizon? I think it's closer. It's too soon to say, of course. But, but of course, let me be clear, returning cash to our shareholders is always a priority. Uh, of course, it's a bold decision at the end of the day, but uh, yeah, we work hard in Gold Notion every day to get to a position where it's possible. And as I said before, I mean, looking how things are shaping up, I would say that uh, we are hopefully uh, ready to pay out dividends again sooner rather than later. Okay, so Ulrik, you and I, we are not alone today. We are also joined by our lead shipping analyst, Jörgen Lian. Thanks for joining us, Jörgen. Happy to be here. So, have you had a chance to uh, look at the numbers yet, and uh, what's your initial take? Uh, in short, uh, I'd say the, the results perhaps somewhat better than expected, both on the Q2 results and, and also on Q3 guidance, which I guess is reflected in the stock trading up about 4% as we speak. So, as, um, as Ulrik says, it's been a tough uh, Q2 uh, from perhaps uh, the levels last seen in 2016. So, uh, considering all of this, uh, I'd say the results were, were rather good. 
So uh, we'll leave the details uh, from the report for your uh, written research uh, update, uh, Jörgen. But instead, we'll use uh, the rest of uh, the episode today to uh, focus on uh, the broader market and, uh, of course, to get uh, Ulrich's take on uh, the outlook. Uh, but first, uh, the backdrop, uh, Jörgen. Uh, as I said in the introduction, it uh, it has been challenging times for uh, the industry, but you recently upgraded the sector to buy uh, why are you confident that uh, the headwinds we have seen will uh, abate? Uh, well, it did abate uh, rather quickly when uh, when Cape size rates went from two thousand dollars a day in May to thirty four thousand dollars a day in July, uh, when we believed the the increased volumes in iron ore out of Brazil and also strong import demand uh, in China. Uh, called for vessels to to switch trade and led to congestion. Um, so rates have now leveled off at around twenty thousand dollars a day. Yeah. Uh, so continue to abate is more precise, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Uh, twenty thousand a day isn't too bad though. Uh, but we see we see both both near term and and long term tailwinds to come from here. So. Just to start that off, you know, high level, um, we believe the the zero growth that you've seen if you average trade volumes in, in dry bulk for 2018 to 2020 uh, has built up uh, some pent-up demand uh, for trade once markets normalize after trade war tensions which started in, in 2018, Vala's dam breach in 2019, and now COVID-19 impact in 2020. Uh, so And at the same time, the dry bulk order book is at its lowest, uh, both in nominal and relative terms, since the early 2000s. Uh, so that's the, the long-term picture. And while more near-term, we expect Brazilian iron ore exports to continue to increase on the margin through uh, H2 in the second half of this year, um, as Vala continues to ramp up production. Uh, and there are currently no signs of slowing Chinese import demand. Um, and then, of course, you have the elections in the U.S. in November, which could be a catalyst for the dry bulk stocks repricing closer to their net asset value. So considering the current valuation in the sector, I'd say risk reward is attractively skewed to the upside. Mm. So Ulrich, uh, turning over to you, you came in as uh, CEO of uh, Gold Notion in uh, April and uh, come from a background of uh, LPG, LPG uh, shipping. So what can uh, investors uh, expect in the terms of uh, the company's direction going forward compared to uh, previous management? I mean, when you come in as a new CEO from the outside, you spend the first time getting to understand the organization, the strategy, the visions, competitive advantages, weaknesses, etc., and yeah, simply getting under the skin of the organization. And, and that's what I've been doing the past uh, month, three, four months. Uh, and obviously that has led to a strategic review and, 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 and also a lot of changes. Uh, I don't want to be too specific on, on, on the points. Some of the changes have already happened. Others are in the process of being implemented. And, and others, again, will, will, will only happen later in the year next year. So I think it's premature to share what can say detailed strategic plan uh, for the road ahead uh, today. But what I can say, uh, though, and, and talk about are some of the main themes from what you can call a high-level uh, point of view. And I think what we would like to do or I would like to do with, with Gold Notion is that we want to take the focus back on on, on, on our core competences, which, which are primarily uh, Panamaxes and Capes. Um, that's one point. We would also have a bit seek to have a bit more balance let's call it optimistical approach to chartering also to S&P uh, I think we have shown already in the third quarter here that that we are ready to take out coverage at attractive levels when it's available to to de-risk while of course at the same time still staying uh, 
uh, true to our market view, which is that the market is going good, uh, it's going to become good forward. But but to take out some insurance at, at times is 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 wise in a in a very unpredictable world. We think. Then there are two other overriding themes that I I I'm focusing on. The the first one is uh, digitalization. We have taken some initiatives in, in uh, sorry in digitalization before my time, but uh, but I see this as as the next big push to drive costs down. We are so fortunate. We are a member of the Sea Tangers ecosystem, the John Fredrickson Group of companies. It means that we have the scale to you know the companies have scale to drive down cost a lot. However, we would like to continue that drive uh, and we think the next step would be more digitalization so that's one of the things we will be working on and the final thing that is is on our agenda and top of our agenda is uh, is, is ESG um, we believe that and I'm talking specifically here about the e maybe in the in the ESG the other where it's also important but 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 here I'm talking maybe mostly reduction of emissions we believe is key to to, to succeed in the future. So we are making a, a, a push here as well. Uh, we joined the Getting to Zero Alliance uh, uh, in, the, in this quarter, uh, sort of a symbol of, uh, of uh, symbolizing our intentions uh, within, uh, within this area. So, so in short, okay, we, uh, we, 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 we look at the, the core competences. We want to have a more balanced approach on chartering and S&P, digitalization and ESG. That will be some of the main themes. Yeah. Great, and we'll uh, get back to uh, I think uh, at least uh, ESG uh, a little bit uh, later in the discussion. Yeah, and also then uh, the next question: uh, considering the uh, Golden Ocean's uh, current financial position with the moderate leverage and, and limited future capex uh, at the moment, uh, would you say growth, shareholder distribution, or lowering leverage remains your top priority, Rick? Uh, returning cash to the investors is always a priority. It's 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 in it in our DNA, I would say, and something you can rightfully expect from Golden Ocean. Um, that said, it is every management's job, of course, to carefully balance the capital allocation. So you also ensure the long-term future uh, of the company. So uh, this is some of the considerations uh, that 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 we are having. Of course, we also need to look at investments that can positively impact the value of the company. Which is also in the shareholders' uh, interest, and 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 finally, deleveraging is, is is an option too. I think right now uh, we don't have a fixed plan for this. We don't know what opportunities come our way. We still too early to see how events unfold in the second half. But but uh, but we will of course con- consider our capital allocation very carefully. I think for the near term, right here, right now, all efforts, all hands on deck, are to extract as much value as we can out of the good markets. When we have built that cash reserve, then we worry about how we spend it, so to say. Uh, but needless to say, dividends is always something that is a priority here, subject to the board, of course, as 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 these things go. But but um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, there's uh, what's interesting, I guess, is that there's a wide range of uh, strategies among the dry bulk peers. Uh, you have Starbulk on one end, which has uh, had the massive fleet growth the past two, three years uh, and is seeking continued sort of growth opportunities, while Scorpio bulk this this uh, this quarter entering offshore wind and using dry bulk uh, more or less to, to fund a potential transition. So in context of that, how is um, what, what are Golden Ocean's plan long term um, and how do you view sort of your place in, in, in the, the dry bulk industry? Uh, we are clearly in a in a in a wait and see position 
And when I say wait and see position, I don't mean it in a passive way, but actively monitoring the huge say leaps we see in technology and and also the increasing uh, regulations. Um, internally, as part of the strategic review I, I spoke about earlier, we have we are devising a roadmap to to 2030. So so we are we are monitoring uh, the situation. We think there will be many ways to to get from here to let's call it IMO 2030 uh, compliance. And we want to choose the right path, the most attractive path. Uh, and uh, that's that's not clear right now what that path is. Uh, you have to understand, of course, you know this, but you have to understand that there are so many uh, solutions out there and none are really widely adopted uh, yet. So there are talks of fuel types like ammonia, LPG, LNG, hydrogen, even nuclear we are hearing about. So at the moment, there are many question marks and that will... Uh, that will uh, that will cause us to pause a little bit. We really want to be the ones that, uh, you know, invest in uh, in in uh, in Netflix and not in uh, and not in uh, in Blockbuster to 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 make an analog uh, uh, because the the, the the technology is running fast. I think we can say for sure we are not looking to diversify into other segments. Uh, as I mentioned initially, our focus uh, is now to yeah go with the Panamaxes and the Capes, which is what we know the best. Um, we will not invest in wind installation vessels or anything else, certainly not through Golden Ocean. Um, that's not the right vehicle we feel for, for diversification. So if you are an investor and you want to have exposure to dry cargo, you can invest in Golden Ocean. That's our, uh, that's our notion. All right, uh, Ulrik, uh, the order book in dry bulk is uh, at this, its uh, lowest nominal level since uh, 2004 and uh, relative since uh, 2002, Jürgen has uh, taught me, with a lot of uncertainty around the future ship uh, technology limiting uh, contracting. So having uh, recently opted for uh, LPG fuel in uh, advance, uh, are you investigating potential new billing orders or uh, is this off the table for Golden Ocean at the moment? Uh, and what's the current uh, options on technology or, or what's, your, uh, what's, what's holding you back? Yeah, no, there are, there's, as I said, many question marks. And I think it's to begin with, like you say, I think it's a good thing. It will keep the order book in, in check. We don't expect the order book, which is already historical, low, as you point out, to, to, to swell very much over the coming years. Um, as you also point out rightly, when I was CEO in Advanced Gas, we ordered two called state-of-the-art dual-fuel LPG-propelled vessels. Um, they were extremely, they're not delivered yet, but they will be extremely competitive and a huge leap uh, forward for, 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 for Advanced. But uh, in LPG, it's a bit more clear what fuel you want to use as propulsion. You want to use LPG, which you already have on board. You have the infrastructure ready. I think for all other segments, except perhaps for LNG, uh, that is not so clear. Um, LNG, which is probably the most advanced fuel or the most where talks have been taken the furthest, most orders have been placed. There are a lot of question marks hanging over methane slips about infrastructure, etc. So it's not a clear, uh, that's not a clear answer to how you uh, get to 2030 compliance. And even with LNG, uh, you may still risk that ammonia will be the answer to, uh, to, 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 uh, to getting to zero emission vessels, which is ultimately the goal. 
and LPG or no LNG will 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 give you that. So so there are question marks hanging. Um, to elaborate a little bit more, I think it is a good thing for the owners because if you actually are switched on, if you are following developments, you get a chance to differentiate yourself more than what has been the uh, situation in the past. So for the prudent ship owner, these changes in technology and regulations, I think they offer an opportunity. Um, but of course, it will require some 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 bold decisions uh, when the time comes. Uh, and I don't have that. Uh, I don't have the answer on what technology or how we go from here uh, yet. But as I said, something we are monitoring very carefully and taking very seriously. Yeah, I heard you mentioned the nuclear as well. Is that something that's been discussed in terms of dry bulk vessels at the moment? Uh, it was uh, maybe a little bit, uh, you know, far far fetched. It's not something that no that we have been discussing. But I have seen uh, I've seen reports on this as as a as a as a possibility as well. It's not something we have had on the table in uh, in, in Golden Ocean. But but we owe it to ourselves and. And of course, our shareholders to to monitor all developments. Uh, that 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 for sure. But no, we are not the uh, we are not on the brink of ordering a nuclear powered uh, dry bulk uh, dry bulk vessels. I can I can tell you that. Sure. Uh, so so continuing a bit uh, down that track with the low order book and all. Um, today, looking at where the the dry bulk peer group is trading at around zero point eight times uh, its NAV. Uh, that's probably limiting the the attractiveness of using shares as currency in potential transactions. So, um, but but uh, how do you feel the market is for for secondhand vessel purchases at the moment? And and do you see any potential you know target fleets in private hands that are looking perhaps to sell or lower their exposure to dry bulk? And what sort of vessels would you primarily be interested in going in the the secondhand market? Uh, yeah, I'll see if I can. Answer all the questions, but to, to start with the beginning, yes, uh, we are not trading uh, at uh, our NAV, and of course that does limit your your maneuver room. Uh, we also don't want to raise capital on a on a on a low uh, uh, on a low uh, low share price to 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 NAV. So so of course that limits us somewhat. Um, we hope this will change going forward. I mean, now that we seeing a stronger market, and and um, and and hopefully that would be you know. The things that we are doing over the coming quarters and months, uh, years, will be rewarded, and we will we will start getting closer to that. So, so that's a separate discussion, uh, but we hope that will be the case. Um, so, if we look at what is out there, I would say that uh, yes, we are presented with uh, with uh, with opportunities. We see a lot of uh, different possibilities, but but so far nothing has been of real interest. Um, we will primarily uh, focus on. Uh, Actually, we solely focus around the the Panamax and the and the Cape size segment, as as, as I said initially, in order to to focus our core competences uh, on, on our core competences. Um, but yeah, no, we have no uh, we have no uh, firm uh, firm uh, negotiations uh, on, uh, on 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 taking over fleets or anything else. And if we had, I I also would not be able to tell you today. Right, uh, Ulrik, uh, you mentioned the ESG as uh, important uh, earlier in the discussion. Uh, maybe you could uh, elaborate a little bit, uh, as precise as possible, of course, on how your customers are adapting and what they are demanding of uh, the ship owners, such as uh, yourself. Yeah, no, as I said, I think uh, ESG will really change the ship owning model. Uh, now, again, with a focus on the E and the in the ESG, uh, we. We see this basically on several levels. Uh, we see it on the finance side, where uh, 
banks like yourself are starting to tie in reduction of emissions to the price of the capital. So you get cheaper financing uh, by reducing your emissions. Uh, so having access to cheap finances, of course, essential for a ship owner. So that is one way it's uh, it's impacting us. Um, then we also see it maybe a little bit more surprisingly on the on the on the on the on the customer side, as you say, this is still early days, but we have uh, we have seen in recent uh, in recent months that that our customers are, are starting to ask questions around how much emission uh, they actually are behind uh, on a single trade. So if they fix a vessel from Brazil to China, they want to know how much are we emis- emitting on this particular trade, and that is uh, telling me uh, that this would become increasingly important uh, going forward. This would be something that would become maybe even a buying criteria from our customers. And that is something new, where this in the past has been only about price, more or less, only about price. Then now we will perhaps see more uh, interest in making sure that the, that emissions are, uh, are also kept in check. And this is, of course, another reason why we really have to be uh, adaptable to the new reality that you know, see finance being impacted. We see our customers' uh, buying criteria being impacted. We may even see, uh, well, we will most certainly see our asset values come under pressure as and when new technology hits the market faster. So all in all, ESG is for me a huge game changer for for the ship owner, and we really, really have to, um, we really, really have to be. As I say, prudent and 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 switched on. What would you say is the most important thing that you are actively doing today to to meet these uh, meet these uh, demands? I think digitalization, for once, is uh, is uh, is what we're doing in the very near term. Uh, in the long term, as we talked about earlier, we're talking about new technologies and we're talking about uh, what can you say renewing the fleet. It, it, it is longer term perspective. If you look at the near term, what we are doing is, 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 is one way is through digitalization. We are working hard on getting a lot of flow meters and sensors installed on our vessels. It means that we can much better uh, measure how much bunkers do we get in, how much do we burn. We can be much better at planning our uh, routing for bunkers, uh, meaning that we can, of course, uh, minimize the bunker consumption, minimizing emissions. Uh, it is a bit like when you're driving uh, your car, you say, okay, how much, uh, you know, how long do you go per, 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 per gallon or per, uh, yeah, per gallon, let's say that. Uh, and, the, and, the, and the answer is that depends. Uh, it depends on if you're going uphill or downhill, if you go fast or slow, if you, uh, how your engine is calibrated. It depends on the quality of your bunkers. So where we want to what we want to what we want to arrive at is that we know all these factors, meaning that we via algorithms actually, and depending on the market, the bunker price, uh, the forward curve, the RPM on our vessel, uh, you know, the the water current, etc., that we every day will get a new update uh, on what exactly is the most optimal speed to make sure that we minimize our uh, emissions, but also, of course, save money at the same time. So that is that is uh, that is that is sort of the the near term things that we are working with, and there are others, but but that's an example. Yeah, thanks. Uh, so if we're turning to the current market, um, uh, what's your take on uh, the strength in Cape size rates we have seen this summer? I think uh, Jürgen uh, laid it out fairly well. You you stole most of my thunder there, but uh, but 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 obviously, if we if we boil things down. Uh, 
it's about China and the and the the can say the rally if you want to call it that. I think we can call it a rally when we go from 2000 to more than 30 in a very short time uh, was about China. So we saw a sharp increase in uh, in iron ore imports, uh, 19% uh, compared to the same quarter last year. Uh, and that immediately reflected into the uh, into the Cape uh, Cape rates and, and to some extent also the Panamax uh, uh, rates. Uh, other factors were at play as well. Uh, there were definitely uh, congestions in uh, in uh, in in China uh, aiding this. Uh, crew chains became uh, started to become a problem, but this problem has actually escalated, and today it is even more difficult to uh, to do crew chains due to COVID. So so that factor is still out there. But the main but the main uh, the main driver is of course of course China. But I think one more thing that is worth noticing. And which is making us optimistic about the, the second half is that in Q2 we saw the increase or the end of the Q2 and into Q3, but it was mainly driven by imports from Australia. Now, as uh, exports from uh, Brazil is expected to increase as well, we will see much more ton-mile heavy cargo. So, where uh, where what can you say the first half was uh, was uh, was short haul the a lot of the cargo in the in the second half is expected to come from 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 Brazil, and that is obviously a, a good catalyst for 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 continued positive uh, freight environment. Yeah, just the, the the big question, I guess, is um, was the spike in rates more or less uh, just passing inefficiencies, or or sort of a sign that the the balance in the dry bulk market isn't really that far off, all things considered? Yeah, I would say the I would say the last. Um, I mean, it's 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 it sounds a bit strange to say now, but actually going into 2020, uh, there was a an anticipation that 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 it would be a reasonably good year for 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 dry bulk. Okay, COVID came and the whole world changed upside down. So I think the underlying fundamentals were already in place. Of course, now we get sort of a rebound effect. We get stimulus. We get uh, uh, we get something to really accelerate, and that's why we see a, a sharp increase. But but our view is that this is fundamentally driven um, and uh, that is naturally a good thing that there's sentiment involved uh, as well of course there is when uh, when 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 as there is in in, in every market but but uh, it is the fundamentals uh, that uh, that have driven this so it, it is the dog wagging the tail it's not the the tail wagging the dog mm. and given the strong uh, iron ore imports to china this year and also record high uh, steel production volumes do you Believe this uh, stimulus effects that uh, we're seeing at the moment are set to continue uh, throughout the year, or? Yes, I mean I think we are only seeing the start of the stimulus uh, effect. We think it will drip in uh, over the next, uh, yeah, say next twelve uh, to eighteen months. You don't, uh, you don't get uh, what can you say all the construction done in a, in a, in 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 two months. So so we see the we see the stimulus package working positively for the say global uh, 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 demand for 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 dry for dry bulk cargos uh, in uh, in uh, dry bulk carriers uh, for a for a sustainable period mm. and i guess the the black box here is the coal markets um, uh, are you seeing any attention around the possible chinese import restrictions on your trading desk at the moment coal is as you as you, as you point out uh, absolutely a black uh, box um we don't think coal is 
debt as a commodity or some some have a tendency to say uh, but of course it will have a diminishing place in the in the energy mix uh, going forward i think that's distinctively a good thing uh, but if you look to india and china then uh, coal consumption is actually expected or coal imports are actually expected to to grow over the coming years um and yeah, coal will not be the long-term driver for dry cargo. This this goes without saying, and and its import importance will, will will diminish. But but coal will not go away the next three, four, five, uh, four, four, five years. And I think for the people that are not uh, super uh, into uh, coal uh, in uh, in uh, dry cargo, it, uh, China is the biggest producer of coal and also the biggest consumer. And uh, the imports into China. Is really a mechanism to control pricing, so it's a it's a bit tricky to to, to forecast. But the but the import the import the quantities are a fraction of what they are actually consuming. So 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 we we see coal playing a role in the in the next two three four years for sure, um, but it is not the main driver and it will never be. Uh, and we have also seen capes rates spike to above thirty thousand without having any coal flows. Uh, of uh, what can you say of significance so it's not a prerequisite for a good market but of course it's a sort of an icing on the cake can you have a china that is firing on all cylinders combined with more coal uh, flows obviously you start to have a quite lucrative situation for the for the ship owners mm, i'd agree and you mentioned india as well i um, they they have this push to to increase domestic production more and more at the moment. Um, how do you view that as a potential risk to to some declining coal volumes on dry bulk? It is very political. Uh, so we still expect that uh, China will use coal as a say as a price uh, mechanism to keep the pri- price uh, in uh, in at a reasonable level of coal. And then you also have to remember that the quality of coal in in China. Is not the same as uh, as from Australia and, and elsewhere. So there's also a question of a certain amount of quality, high quality coal that they need. So, uh, as I say, it's not the driver. Uh, even if it goes away, it's not a prerequisite. But but I'm not so pessimistic on coal uh, for the for the near term uh, as 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 perhaps it sounds you are and, and maybe others. So, Rick, uh, the dry bulk market has been uh, impacted from escalating trade tensions and then especially US-China. So, do you have any thoughts on uh, how the US elections in November potentially can be impacting uh, the markets, depending on the outcome? Uh, it's a space we're watching and we have to watch. Uh, I'd say that the trade tensions have eased recently. We saw China uh, take uh, steps to meet their commitments uh, with with uh, with uh, its biggest ever U.S. corn purchase the other day. So I think I think the situation is easing. But but Trump uh, has shown before that he's unpredictable. So so it's with that uh, disclaimer, uh, things can can quickly go the other way. But but we note with 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 satisfaction that 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 the China-U.S. relationship seems to be. Uh, normalizing to some extent, at least being on the right track. Should Biden win the elections, okay, we will, I assume, see a more accommodating style and and, and all other things equal uh, that should benefit the U.S. international trade relations and 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 and, and thus in turn uh, benefit the uh, uh, dry bulk shipping as well. All right, uh, seems like uh, we are heading into uh, an interesting uh, second half uh, also for uh, the dry bulk uh, market, exciting uh, for sure. Thanks again, uh, Ulrik, for uh, joining us uh, today. Thank you also to uh, you, Jürgen, and uh, thanks to everyone for listening. 
Denne podcasten og dets innhold skal anses som markedsføringsmateriell fra DNB og må ikke oppfattes som investeringsanbefaling eller som investeringsanalyse. Innholdet skal heller ikke anses for å være investeringsrådgivning tilpasset den enkelte kundes behov. Informasjonen som gis i podcasten er kun ment som generell spareveiledning og er ikke ment å utgjøre juridisk, finansiell, kommersiell, skattemessig eller regnskapsmessig rådgivning. Innholdet i sendingen er ikke gjennomgått eller godkjent av DNB Markets avdeling for analyse. Alle uttalelser reflekterer DNBs vurderinger på tidspunktet for den aktuelle sendingen, og kan i etterkant endres uten nærmere beskjed. DNB er ikke ansvarlig for hvordan informasjonen i podcasten benyttes eller tolkes. Informasjonen som henviser til historisk avkastning i finansielle instrumenter, en finansiell indeks eller prognoser, gir ingen garanti for fremtidig avkastning. DNB gjør oppmerksom på at enhver investering i et finansielt instrument er forbundet med risiko for økonomisk tap. Finansielle instrumenter kan både øke og minske verdi, slik at avkastning kan bli negativ som følge av kursfall. DNB tar intet ansvar for direkte eller indirekte tap og kostnader som måtte oppstå ved bruk av den informasjonen som gis i podcasten.